This is episode two of our third season. I'm Charlie, and you've also got Ash, Billy, Rosa, and Tom with you for our very special season preview episode. That's right, the full Hometown Glory lineup. So I am going to be putting only the toughest questions to the team in a bid to get us ready for this momentous season. It's a season, of course, that still feels like it might be determined by what Bayern Munich and Daniel Levy decide to do in the next couple of days. Um, and on that note, Billy, before we really start, um, it feels like we've reached the business end of your war of attrition uh, with Florian Plettigol, Plettenberg. Um, how are you coping in this bloodiest of wars? Yeah, man, I just, um, I think I've peaked today. Like, I don't know if you saw the thread today, but uh, I got a really good video last night that someone sent to me. But then today someone sent me like, a um a mock-up of the cane mural with Pletty Gold's face in it, and it looks fucking so good. It's like it's like <laughs> professional graphic design job. So I think it's all downhill from here. But yeah, I think I finally peaked today. And um it seems like we're kind of getting some momentum back in the whole cane thing. Who knows where it's gonna go? Um but I just want to shout out everyone that sent me these amazing pictures because definitely hit the peak of it all. How many um are you receiving now on a daily basis? Literally hundreds. Like uh, my DMs maxed out the other day, um, and it's just continued to get even more and more. But um, I reckon. So let's say best case, we've got like what four days left because of the Brentford match. Like either way, so I'm gonna have to try and max them out and use all of them. But thank you very much, everyone, sending to me. I, my DMs is literally like chocolate block full of people just sending me pictures beforehand. I've got some really good ones to come as well. So yeah, keep an eye on it for the next few days. Um, I imagine you have a strategy for both scenarios here for if Kane stays and if Kane goes, um, are, are you that well prepped? Like how are you, and are you concerned? Like if it does end up with Kane going to Munich, what, how are you going to handle sort of defeat in this, in this war? Yeah, I've got both cases uh, covered, fully covered. I had them in my draft from Friday, which is when the alleged deadline happened. Um, everyone at the moment is kind of thinking that it's over, but I don't think it is. I think I've not really got too far ahead of myself and thought that um, he's definitely staying. So I've, I've, I've sort of pre- mentally prepped for both scenarios. Um, and I've certainly visually prepped for both scenarios. Yeah, so yeah, I'm ready, ready for the fight. I don't know if you guys saw that ridiculous video of him on Sky Sports Germany last night where he's like going crazy. It's like, this is what we're up against. And like, oh my God, I really just hope we beat him now. Like, my, I was speaking to Rose about this the other day that my cane sort of, has flip-flopped what I want to happen. Um, but now I just want nothing more than to to for a cane to stay with us just because we can't let this guy win, man. We actually can't. Um, Godspeed, our friend. We we hope you you see this through to the very end um, in the style to which we are accustomed. Um, the finishing line feels like it might be in sight. Um, anyway, so beyond our crystal balling for the season ahead, we'll also get a little uh, Koi's-flavoured World Cup update from Rosa. And naturally, we will be handing over the finest culture picks money can buy. Um, but let's dive into these questions. Let's preview this season. Um and firstly, just how glorious that we're all back together. I'm thrilled to be chatting to everyone. Um, and we speak, of course, in the aftermath um, of a funky Spurs 11 putting up a very, very decent fight in a, um, albeit sort of tragicomic defeat in the end to Barcelona in Barcelona. Um, but again, I think pointed to some very promising signs. Um, and this leads me to my first question rather neatly. Um, what's your one big takeaway from pre-season. Um, Tom, I'm going to go to you first, mate. 
Charlie, you've picked me first, but actually I'm the most pre-season uh, averse person on the podcast. I think Maybe that's why I came to you first. Well, just because I've been burnt so many times, you know, I think I've I've recalled before seeing Tarabd, Darren Bent, uh, who was the little Mexican lad. Giovanni um, Dos Santos. Dos Santos, those kind of players ripping it up in pre-season. I used to go to like two or three pre-season games uh, before I could, before I had enough points and became a season ticket holder to actually get proper tickets so yeah I'm excited to hear what you all say because I've deliberately avoided um reading too much into pre-season the pre-season friendly so I'm excited for Ange and attacking football and that's what I've kind of heard from from these friendlies is that it's very much not Conte ball or Jose but yeah I'm excited to hear what you guys say because I'm an absolute pre-season skeptic um, fair enough. All right. Well, we'll we'll consider that a slightly false start to my um, sort of season-defining list of questions, and I'll go to Ash, who hopefully can get started properly. Who has watched maybe more than a minute of preseason? I have watched more than a minute, um, and I just watched this game, and I thought, yeah, it's, I'm really excited after watching that because my main takeaway is that there's like a clear, distinct style of football now, and the fact that I guess is is it harsh to call that the B team? Or the second eleven. I don't many? think so. No, yeah, I don't think. Um, apart from Vicario, I don't think anyone started um, from the Shakhtar game. I suppose Basuma, you would imagine, okay. would start in Brentford. Yeah. So I, I mean, like there was just it was just very clear, like how we're going to play, and like they were just passing out from the back, and just some of the combinations between defence and midfield were incredible. And I honestly thought like they'd like got the kits the wrong way around or something. Like we we looked like Barcelona. It was so confusing. Um, so it's hard, like, it's really weird. I sound like an insane, like, Arsenal fan, like, at the beginning of the Arteta reign, but, <laughs> like, we lost, but it, I, I'm really excited for the season, like, more after that game than any of the other games. So, that's yeah. What, that's what I like to hear. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I'm going to do mine quickly. I think that my big takeaway is that I finally understand what inverted fullbacks are after being quite confused for a good few weeks. Um when everyone was talking about that being a sort of signature Postacoglu thing. Um, and more to the point, I think that Destiny Adogi, um, despite everyone telling me that he could only play as a wing back, um, looks totally at home in uh, at home in that role. Um it's very exciting in possession. I am still slightly concerned we're going to leave great gaping holes out wide for very quick wingers to exploit, but hopefully that's where galloping Mickey van der Ven comes into his own plus we see sort of Basuma mopping up so that's mine um Rosa what's yours um I've got two quick questions for you so can you explain inverted fullbacks now that you actually now that you actually understand them oh wow it's really put me on the spot all <laughs> right you, so I'll leave you some time to do it my... I've, got, I've got one quick question one quick question before that is it Udogi or Udoji I've heard it with a harder Dogi, I think. Yeah, okay. That... Yeah, he clarified it himself. Is you Dogi definitely? Okay. He said, Excellent. Yeah. I just feel like I need to, I need to know that. Okay. Thank you. Now back to inverted fullbacks. Okay. <laughs> right. So my understanding, and you're not listening to the extra inch, so I apologise if this is way off. Um, my understanding is that in possession, the fullbacks will tuck in to allow for much easier sort of passing triangles to give extra options on the ball. This allows the wingers to go really, really, really high and wide and the left and right-sided midfielders in the three can sort of come in to allow you to sort of create little patterns between your inverted fullback 
who sort of come inside your midfielder on the left or the right can sort of float around to create an option and your winger stays nice and wide to give you all of that lovely um, width. Okay. Like I, said, like I said, the problem is if you lose the ball and it transitions and you're suddenly defending your fullback, instead of being sort of out wide where you'd naturally imagine them to be, is suddenly instead almost playing as a sort of central midfielder. And potentially you've got this huge, great big gap where teams can clip balls down into. And you'd imagine people like, you know, Jared Bowen and Saka and Salah and all those types of terrifying players really exploiting certain weaknesses. But I think that's why fast centre-backs seem to be really important in this system because they're going to be doing a hell of a lot of covering and running backwards towards their goal, I think. Does that okay. sort of Sounds help? good. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Mine, so I've got like two takes then based on that. And one is my, I've, I've lost my head. I think it's all going to be completely amazing take. So caveat that this is a conversation that me and Ollie and I had at, that Ollie and I had at 2-1 <laughs> earlier this evening, where I was like, what if Ange is just that guy who has never really, who is an amazing manager, but has just never really had like good enough players. And now he is at a club where he's been given those good players and he can like execute his vision to the fullest. Um, in which case we're going to win millions and millions of games. It's going to be absolutely incredible to watch. So that's me just fully optimistic. It's going to be amazing. And I still think it's going to be super duper fun. I think based on what I've seen, which was, which really is mostly just a game that happened on Sunday. I think like, I think it's obvious that all of the like midfield and forwards are all like on board now. Like they want to play that way. It's happening. It's brilliant. But I think defense is still obviously going to take some time. Like apparently like Andrew was shouting at Romero's kind of move it more quickly out from the back. And I think especially because our defense has been so kind of bludgeoned over time into playing a particular way that is probably going to take more work. And I think we'll probably leak quite a lot of goals. I don't really care about that because it just seems like we're having such an amazing time going forward. And I loved like watching Madison the other day was that I just, we haven't seen that for so long, man, just his kind of just trickery and skill and vision. Like we've not seen that since like peak Ericsson really. So it does it like to me, I think we will win loads of games, like if I've got my super optimistic hat on. But even if we kind of go down to sort of really embarrassing comic goals, as long as we've like scored loads of fun ones as well, I feel like that's fine. Like this, you know, it will probably take a while, but maybe it won't. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Billy, yours, please. Um, well, unlike Tom, I don't have a life, so I've seen every single game. Um, even despite being on holiday, I've watched all of them. And um <laughs> My main takeaway is I just like watching my team play attacking football. Um, I really, really enjoy it. Like, I think like it's one of those things where you can say, oh, yeah, well, nothing really matters unless you're winning trophies and all that, which is what you kind of rhetoric that you hear on Twitter. But I'm about to spend the next 18 weeks, you know, 18 weeks of the next year watching these guys for 90 minutes, um, at least probably more. And if we do win a trophy, only one of them will be 
and, and that'll only take up one of those weekends. Like, I want to be enjoying my time when I'm there because it's been like so miserable like the last few years. I want to actually watch my team play football. And now that I've actually had a glimpse of it in the last few or four games, um, yeah, I love it, man. I can't get enough of it. I love having the possession. I love attacking. I love having players like Basuma and Madison and Udogi and all those players that you mentioned and Son and Kudasevsky. I just want, that's what I want to pay my money for. And I spoke about last week about the prices that we're paying. If we're paying those kind of prices, I want to see my team attack and have the ball and play that way. So yeah, I'm really excited for it as well. Um, good. This is rousing stuff. This is rousing stuff. Um, let's keep the energy up for my next question. Um, who would you rather beat this season, Arsenal or that Argentine Blokes Chelsea team? Um, Tom. Well, um, just to slightly gloat, I think I was the most like, we had long conversations about would you welcome Poch back? Just to say, I was definitely the most Poch sceptic. You uh, were. With, with Ash. I mean, maybe well. Ash. Ash sort of has loathed him since 2019, yeah. I feel like. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, me and Ash were in the right about that fucking snake. Um, <laughs> but. I am going to say I would rather beach Arsenal this season because last season was so fucking miserable. Those two games against them were so, so dire and just getting like so comfortably beaten by their, by Arsenal twice was disgusting. So uh, yeah, I'd rather beat Arsenal, but I hope Poch has the same experience at Chelsea as every other recent Chelsea manager has had and last six months and everything fucking implodes for him. Um, I can get behind that sentiment. Um, I'm going to say Arsenal as well. I feel like the way I felt watching those morons celebrating the Community Shield on the weekend just reminded me that it's Arsenal, always and forever Arsenal. They will always be, it doesn't matter what anyone else does, it's always Arsenal that I want to beat above all else. I cannot stand what is going on over there. It's just so gross. Um I'll lustily boo Pochettino when he turns up in November. But as Tom said, we need to avenge those Derby performances from last season because we were pitiful in both North London Derby. So pray to God that we um, put some of that right. Um, Ash? Uh, Arsenal. Always Arsenal. 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 (laughs) Yeah, that's it. There's no other... No no one comes close to them. So yeah, it has to be them. And I just... uh, I just hate Arteta so much and the way that he like behaves. So it has to be them. And yeah, I'm just hoping that like the way we're playing football can counteract mm. because like you, like I think Tom said, like the performances were so bad, especially the one at home. So I'd like to get some revenge for that for sure. All right. Good stuff. Rosa. Yeah. The, yeah. I, it can't be anything other than them. I think, you know, it's just, it's them anyway. And it's them the way they are right now with the manager that they have right now and all of their bullshit. Um, that's, yeah, I don't care. Like I'd rather just pretend that other dude or that other club didn't exist. So that's how, that's how I'm going to move going forward. Has anyone else been quite surprised at how little they've been remotely bothered? I know the season's not started yet, but I, I I picked up like the Evening Standard the other day and there was a full, you know, like double page spread on Chelsea and Pochettino was just there sort of smiling at me. And I didn't even like, 
didn't even flinch it hurt like, a lot less than i thought it would i've got yeah. to say it's really weird i thought it would feel like every mention of him i thought it would feel like a knife in my gut but it just doesn't it mm. feels like oh that's that's who you are i guess because we feel like we're moving into a new era and if we weren't that would be different and obviously he went there at sort of our lowest moment yeah. basically didn't he so it didn't really help but it feels like we're moving forward he's in the past so you know Hats I've off enjoyed... to Ash and Tom, who like were fully on this train from the beginning. I was not. I'm very sentimental. I'm not ashamed of it, but you were right, and I will let you have this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've enjoyed seeing him whinge about Chelsea's transfer dealings as well. That's been quite a nice throwback. Um, Billy, your last to pick between Arsenal and Chelsea, mate. Uh, listen, you're talking to a guy who's just spent 30 days um, tweeting a picture of a journalist's forehead. So, pettiness is my middle name. So, I'm going for Pochettino and Chelsea. The reason why oh. is because I want him to experience um, like a full stadium behind Ange and like have that in his face right in live, just so he knows what he's lost and what he's given up um, to sell us all. So, yeah, my pettiness, I'm going the pettiness route and I want us to beat Pochettino. We have to. You know to. what? I think we'll get that anyway, even if we don't win. Like, I think we will be so behind. And I think, like, that noise, he will he will hear that. He will experience that. So, we'll definitely have that, if nothing else. We need to organize some sort of TIFO thing for that game as well, just to, like, I mean, but, I'm like, tempted... just about Ange, nothing else. Well, like, I'm tempted to just, like, dip into my savings to just get, like, a full snake just across the entire agreed stand, yeah, but, no yeah. we don't mention him man we just it's just <laughs> and just like there is no past we, we move just mate just mate <laughs> yeah. running across and it works for all the argentine players as well so they'll like that um okay um next question right so that's four four arsenal one chelsea but we can all get behind billy's pettiness as always um where are we going to finish give me a position in the table where we're going to finish um billy you first um, I'm going to go fifth. I think we'll have a one game a week. Um, if Kane does stay, I think that could change to top four. Um, I'm going to go fifth though. I think, which I think will be an amazing achievement in Andrew's first season under us. And hopefully means Champions, Champions League, League, right? Yeah. Is there any way that it's not Champions League? It's not been confirmed yet. I don't think, but, um, it's very, very, very likely. Yeah. Um, all right. Good stuff. Um, Tom position. Billy just stole my answer. I'm also going to say fifth unless Kane somehow magically stays and then we could uh, sneak third maybe. But uh, yeah, fifth also. This is a good qualifier, actually. We should, yeah, I want positions for if Kane stays and if Kane goes. Ash? I'm going to say sixth just to be different because I was going to say fifth as well. I think if Kane... If Kane stays, I'm going to say, oh, I don't know, third, because he's oh, that wow. good. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to say fourth if he stays, sixth if he goes, because I think much like Rosa was saying earlier, I think we're probably going to have a bumpy few months at the start of the season whilst the players get used to Ange Ball and it becomes sort of second nature to them. So I reckon that might take a little bit of time to catch up. But Yeah. But if Harry stays, I think top four. Uh, Rosa? Yeah, same really. Probably, yeah, third or fourth if Kane stays, six if he leaves. But, you know, we're going to win a cup, so it doesn't matter. Well, next question. Are we going to win I'm a cup? I'm throwing it out there, yeah. All right, Rosa says yes. Um, Tom, are we going to win a cup? 
I think we're like we've only got one game a week, right, for nearly the entire season. So there are no excuses, and you know we can't we can't not play our best players in the domestic cups now. Like no one's going to be knackered. We haven't got big. We're not playing big teams in the Champions League, and we're not playing in fucking Azerbaijan in the uh, in, in either of those ridiculous Europa competitions. So, um, yes, we're going to win a cup. I was also, I think we're going to win a cup. And I think that we could probably, on the basis of how the B team looked tonight, and I was thinking about how we would, you know, when we'd play those Europa and those Conference League games when the B team would travel and they'd play and they'd look like a disjointed bunch of strangers and totally unfit and unmotivated. It was a completely different thing tonight. And I know that they're obviously trying to play for their futures, a lot of them, and they're playing to try and get a place in the first team. But I just feel like there's now this sort of interconnected philosophy that all the players seem to understand what they're doing when they're on the pitch under Ange, that hopefully, you know, if we do draw Rochdale or Stockport or whatever in the first rounds of the Carabao, then that can be the sort of fixture where a Richarlison or, you know, a Solomon comes in and scores a couple and they get the confidence up. But I, I think we're going to win the FA Cup this season. That's my prediction. Um, Billy, yours? Um, just because it's really funny that we were so bad last year that we have an, a Carabao Cup game in like three weeks because we're in the second round. <laughs> I think we're going to win it. Um, just because I was speaking to, I don't know, literally anecdotal on base of one Celtic fan, but a Celtic fan messaged me on Twitter to say that Andrew always played his full strength team in the Cups. I don't know how true that is, if you like, um, literally true, but he said he always goes all out in the Cups. So yeah, I'm going for Carabao. I think we'll, we might win it. Okay. But it is funny that we have a cup game in literally less than three weeks, which is just hilarious. Is it really? Is that true? Less than three weeks? It's, we commence in 28th of August, yeah. Oh, <laughs> which is just God, we used to laugh at West Ham and people like that when they played, when they went yeah. away to Remember Milton United Clinton. doing it? Like United, didn't United get beat like 4 0 by Delhi's yeah. MK Dons? Yeah. Hopefully that's not a uh, omen. Do you remember when we played a home game in Milton Keynes? What a mad. A few years that was when Delhi was captain and we won. Did we like win on penalties or something? Or like we, we played a home game in Milton Keynes. Yeah. I've blocked all this out, man. Yeah. Against Watford, I seem to remember. Or, oh, it was, was it about to go to penalties and then we won? And it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. But we have lived through some ups and downs, my guys. Um, all right. Ash, are we going to wake up? Only if Kane stays. Okay. Yeah, only if he stays. If he stays, I think yeah. I think the opposite. I I think we've got a better chance if he goes, simply because it will just be that thing where he goes and then we win a cup, and of course, you know, and he'll go to Bayern and they'll lose the league for the first time in sixty three years or something. Was it you that says it would be like the most Spurs thing if like Kane left and we won something? And in my head, I was like, no, it's the opposite. It's like <laughs> it's the most Spurs thing that Kane wins like the German Super Cup on like Saturday or something. That um, would be his first game, wouldn't it? That's the yeah. problem if we sell him that quickly. And maybe Levy knows that and he's hanging on so that we don't get a Harry Kane's already won a trophy after playing 90 minutes. That would be dreadful. Um, all right. Okay. We've had a, a mixed bag there. Um, speaking of mixed bags, let's get on to our, our summer signings. Um, I want to know, Billy, which signing do you think will be the biggest hit? And of course, oh, likely more to come particularly if uh, if we do sell Harold? I think unquestionably Madison. Like, I just think like when you watch that game against Shakhtar, like, 
he does things which we haven't had a player be able to do since Ericsson. And um, I think he's going to score a lot of goals. He's going to get a lot of assists. He's going to take free kicks. Um, I just think it's exactly a shows what happens when you pay the money for Premier League proven players. This is what happens. They come in, they just do it straight away. So I think unquestionably Madison. I'm really excited about all, you know, a lot of our signings. I thought Solomon was really good today. Um, but yeah, definitely Madison for me. Okay. Um, I imagine, I imagine Billy's got in there first with the Madison and a lot of people are annoyed. Um, Tom, your pick? I'm excited to see a competent centre-back, hopefully, in uh, in Mickey. Um, and I'm excited that people are comparing him to Vertonghen. But also, yeah, I'm just absolutely buzzing to see Madison in the flesh because he's a player. I'm not even, like, I'm actually useless at following other teams. Like, I don't know who this Brennan Johnson guy is we keep being linked with, and I know I should. And the reason I'm, I finished last in every fantasy league that I'm in because I just don't pay attention to other teams. <laughs> but one player I have loved for a long time is Madison. Like he, the balls he pings in, uh, the, he makes things look totally effortless and gets so many goals and assists, or at least he has to this point. So I'm sort of touching wood now. Um, but yeah, so excited to uh, to see him in the flesh and uh, finally have someone replace Ericsson, finally have a fucking playmaker. It's going to be good times. It's going to be good times. Um, Rosa, who do you like? Yeah, man, we're all going to be, obviously, like we've all lost our heads over James Madison already. Tom, I'm going to, I feel like you and I should have a challenge this year because I also frequently finish last in fantasy <laughs> football leagues because <laughs> I can't be bothered either. Most, I actually like, I probably know slightly more players, but I've, I always forget to change my team every well, single week. We'll just do a league that's me and yeah. you and then we can judge. <laughs> like, And then we, you know, it'll and then we'll fine. finally it'll be, know it'll be fine when we're like useless <laughs> and forget to do our teams and stuff <laughs> we should do a hometown glory like who's who's the most useless fancy player because and he can't be useless in the sense like me where I do it and then I forget all about it and that's why I'm bad but people that are actively trying but are still bad <laughs> no, but that's pin- part of it you have to just forget otherwise it's not <laughs> Um, before one of those people who takes it all too seriously, yeah. Madison, obviously, we're all um, the thing, it's weird with him, isn't it? Because I really like part of me not wanting Kane to go is I just want to see those two together for one year, like, please let us have this joy. But I'm also like, do you know what? If Kane goes, like, I'm ready, give him number 10, print other shirts, like, let's fucking go, you know, it's it will be fine. Um, thinking about other players, I'd actually. I'm like, I'm also like, Tom, you're talking about not knowing players on other teams. I'd forgotten that we signed Ashley Phillips. <laughs> like Ollie was reading out um, the substitutes. And I was like, who's Phillips? <laughs> He's like this guy we just signed the other day. We had a whole conversation about it. So I'd like, so maybe, you know, it'd be nice to see him. I think, I think I'm really going to enjoy like whatever time Solomon gets. I think that'd be really fun. He seems like a, you know, nice buzzy little winger like I just that he feels like a real sort of throwback type that I think mm. he's the kind of player that when he showed up like 15 years ago he was like the one guy like the only guy and now he'll just be like another one but I think I'll look out for him and that'd be nice he gives me um he gives me Aaron Lennon vibes I know that's yeah. a sort of lazy comparison because they're both about five foot nothing and you know wingers but just the way he's got his little flappy arms yeah and he does his little little turns and that sort of centre of gravity. I think he's going to be a cult hero too. I really like the look of him. 
I'm going to oh, say. Wait, did um, you know what? Oh, you know who else? You I can't really, know. Really you can't Sorry, say three. Can I just say That's, one? Can, okay, I, I just. Um, I really want um, new Vic to succeed. I really. I'm really well, you, him. Okay, okay. It's, go, as if, it's as if it was scripted because I'm going to say Vicario simply Amazing. because okay. I don't know if he's actually really, really good. And I know that there's been um, some really like quite tiresome stuff on Twitter, like really sort of having a go at him and people just writing him off already. And it makes me feel a bit annoyed. Anyway, aside from that, I'm not, in, despite what I've just said, I have no idea if he's going to be good or not because I've not seen him play enough to decide yet. But I was watching, Ash, I think you shared that compilation of every single mistake leading to a goal from last season, which was about like 37 minutes long. But um, like Hugo was, I mean, we were basically starting from like a two goal sort of disadvantage in every single match when he was playing. I sort of, I don't know if it's just like my lingering love for him. I was putting up with certain things, but one of the single worst seasons a goalkeeper. We're talking like when Ian Walker was ready for the Knackers yard levels bad. Like he was atrocious. So many goals. He was just like, I mean, the, like the derby. Like I'd, I'd completely forgotten about Arsenal's first goal at our place where he just like threw it in his own net, basically. I just atrocious. So I just feel like even if Vicario is like a six out of 10 goalkeeper, that is huge. That is massive. We will not be going into games immediately, basically a goal down just because our goalkeeper might throw it in his own net. So I feel like having a competent goalkeeper that isn't ready for the glue factory, like poor old Hugo definitely was and is, is, is a huge thing. Um, and please, he seems like such a lovely guy, Vicario as well. So I'm just really rooting for him. Um, Billy, your pick, please. Maybe we started with mine now. We did start with yours. Apologies. <laughs> um, it's really hard keeping up with yeah. all you people. Um, Ash, we're finishing off with you. Who's your pick of the signings? Um, I don't know anything about this player, but I, I'm going to go for Is Do I say it Velez or Velit? How do I say his name? The striker. Um, I, I really no wish idea. one of us had confidence. Um, let's say Velez. I have maybe. no idea, but... I like it. I, I'm just really excited to like watch him because I think the Argentinian league is a good league and it's the kind of signing that like, I don't know, like Man City would make and mm. I like be jealous of. Um, and just from like the clips that make everyone look good that I post on YouTube, he does look unbelievable. Um, so I'm excited to see him. It's like hard not to be excited about a signing from South America at Spurs and an Argentinian one at that. He's a bit of a throwback as well, because I feel like these days, I mean, maybe a couple of the signs we've made this summer um, go against this, but you kind of have a general idea. You know, there's like Twitter chat, there's sort of scouting stuff or whatever. I'd literally never heard of this kid, like not even slightly, like never, ever heard his name. And it's like, it's a real throwback to just sign a South American 19-year-old sort of shit-hot striker that looks quite cool and scores scores all these like banging headers from like 18 yards away and throws himself into everything and chucks himself in chucks himself into the crowd to celebrate goals. It looks like he's going to be a ton of fun. I wonder of course if Kane does stay, how is he ever going to get on the pitch because he's going to be like third choice yeah. number 9, but who knows, we might not be having to worry about um, he, him not getting on the pitch in a couple of yeah. days because his his welcome interview is very good as well, which I mm. like watched earlier. It's like 
he doesn't speak a word of English, which like I guess he'll figure that out. But like he just like speaks very well, and I don't know. I'm just really excited about. It. I'm just on the hunch, purely that. We like your hunches, Ash. We always like your hunches. What was that mad thing that he he said something that was like so wonderfully poetic? He said, "It's like I'm, I, it's like I'm touching the heavens." He said on on joining Spurs. He's but, gonna get a rude signing awakening. for Tottenham Hotspur. Signing for Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, um, this club really okay. I had, yeah, I'm with. I was us. like, it's, I'm sure that quote's been taken out of context. I mean, <laughs> but no, it's really about us. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently so. Um, what the Celso said to him? I, I know. know. What earth did I mean, imagine like two months ago, the idea of letting Giovanni Lo Celso talk to any professional footballer on the planet about Tottenham Hotspur would have been a like stop this from happening. He will prevent anyone from signing for this football club. We don't know yet. Maybe now, he really hates this guy. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, all right. That leads to my next question. Well, it doesn't lead to my next question. That's not a good segue at all, actually. That's the question after this. But is there any is there any of the signings that we're a little bit worried about? Any dud potential? Obviously, last year, almost all of them ended up being kind of duds until, of course, they all get rejuvenated under Ange. But this year, is there anyone you're a bit like, nah, I can't see this working out? Tom? Just to give the other side of your kind of keeper, keeper chat, mm-hmm. um, I do worry a bit about Vicario, partly because, and I know Larice had a nightmare season uh, last season uh, and he's been dropping off for a while. But, in, you know, to quote Joni Mitchell, maybe you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Uh, and also my other worry in the keeper department is we've been so, 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 so bad at buying keepers and planning for um, Hugo's the succession uh, of Hugo. Briefly, I thought, oh, like briefly, we thought Gazaniga was it. And now mm-hmm. I don't think he can get a game at Fulham um, and has been out on loan and whatever. He's, he's a gorgeous guy and has a gorgeous girlfriend because I think he's one of those players I forgot to unfollow on Instagram. Anyway, um, Gazaniga wasn't it. We've been so bad at buying keepers, so that is why I worry. But I really hope I, my fears are unfounded. My concern with Vicaria, just to slightly um, go back on myself, is that Arsenal are signing David Raya, who, of course, you know, a few weeks ago we all assumed was going to be the next Spurs goalkeeper. So I worry that the second Vicario has a wobble, the fans are going to be like, oh, we should have signed Raya. Like, how did Raya get, you know, to Arsenal for like seemingly, you know, under 30 million or whatever it is they're paying for him. And we were apparently told he was going to cost 40 or no deal. And I just worry that he might end up being sort of compared to Raya if Raya ends up displacing Ramsdale and doing quite well. But we'll worry about that if it happens. Um, It's definitely going to happen at some point. Yeah, all right, Rosa. That's not. Um... No, but it's fine because we're just <laughs> look. We're going to go for ups and downs. And also, can I tell you my my whole theory about Raya going to Arsenal is that you know Ramsdale like did that whole like amazing thing on the Players Tribune. Are you going to get a suit, Rosa? Brother. Be careful. I'm not. Be careful. I'm not. I'm not going to get you. I'm not going to get a suit. I'm just going to say um, those events are connected. You are going to get a suit then. Excellent. Uh... <laughs> you can cut this out. <laughs> um. All right, Rosa, whilst you're on and being uh, deflammatory, well, who's who's your uh, pick for Spurs dud of the season? Um, does it have to be someone who just arrived in this transfer window? You can't say Giovanni <laughs> Lo Celso, please. Um, 
Yes, it has to be one of the new signings. <laughs> Most Rosa moment ever. Um, then I think uh, I'm not really worried about Van der Ven, but I think he could have some really hairy moments once he like. I'm. I think he's going to start this weekend. I really do, and I don't necessarily think it's going to be fun for him because I think we've still got quite a lot of work. And mm. I think he'll be fine, but I think, you know, it's a real, like, baptism of fire as a Tottenham yeah. Hotspur defender. And I think particularly in this system where the defending that our defenders are probably going to end up doing will be quite scary defending because it will be like, yeah. guys, you, need, you, need, to, you need to come back. You need to come back. <laughs> Why are you all still up there? Come back. Why are the fullbacks? And also, like, who's the, the responsible center? one in that pairing? You know, like Romero technically mm. is a senior player, but like he's going to be like playing as an auxiliary striker at some <laughs> point. And Van der Ven is going to be like, oh, so it's, so it's just me. Okay, cool. Yeah, and Poro is going to be playing as a, as another striker as yeah. well, obviously at right at right back. Uh, I think Poro's going to be playing as a sub. Is my prediction. <laughs> oh. It's a, also a lot of money and pressure for a twenty-two-year-old, isn't it? Hell it of a is. lot of money for. Yeah. And it, it's not the only, he's not the only sort of 50 million pound player who's only played 30 sort of first team games going around. There's so many of those mad deals. But yeah, a lot of money for someone who's had one good season. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash, who's yours? Who are you worried about? The same. That, Mickey. That, yeah, I'm very concerned by that. Because my, my hope was sort of, I don't know, like Rosa said, like someone of experience, because Romero is just a, an absolute lunatic. Um, so to just, I don't know, l- like like Tom said also, just, yeah, one season of top flight football, it's a huge risk. And mm. obviously the upside is potentially massive, but yeah, it, it worries me. And I think like it's such a crucial area of the pitch, like to not spend a lot more for someone who like, has the experience and maybe has even played in the league. It's just, I don't know. It, it really worries me. And I'm like scared for him. I suppose um, it looks like we will almost certainly sign another centre-back though, right? So, I mean, I was talking to a friend today who was saying, you know, there's every chance that Van der Ven might not be the starter for a while. You know, if we did sign someone a bit more experienced, then you can kind of have him eased in a little bit because it sounds like Angie's desperate to get one more centre-back. So who knows who that person might be. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. Billy, who's yours? Uh, yeah, that's my answer as well. And it's just because of the reason, like the other players that you mentioned that we've signed, um, if they are that bad, then we have like a deputy that can come in. Like with Van de Ven, we don't really. We don't have another left centre-back, um, as this preseason has shown. Um, but I'm not really worried, though, because I feel like it's one of those things with Carl Walker. This guy is so quick that if you do make a mistake, you can he can catch up with any sort of player. Mm-hmm. He's that fast. He's got, good at reco- he's got that recovery pace, which I know that like um, um, people that have been talking about, Ange Ball have been talking about a lot, as these defenders need recovery pace. So... Um, he would be my only question mark just because there's no um, no one that can come in and replace him, and it's a lot to ask for a debut season of a 21 year old. But I'm I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's any that I'm particularly like madly worried about because I think I think actually our squad's shaping up pretty good. So it's just like you say that one set more centre back mm. um, really really sort of be the last missing piece for us. 
Um, all right, good stuff. Next question, and this might be a question designed to slightly annoy Rosa by seeing how often Giovanni Lasantos Giovanni Lascelso's name can be brought up in a positive way. But guys, who's going to be the surprise star of the season? I think preseason seems to have been sort of lit up by these little mini sort of renaissances we've seen from certain players comebacks from guys that we thought were dead and buried at Tottenham. Who do you think is going to follow that through into the season and really contribute in a meaningful way that we, you know, perhaps didn't expect a couple of months ago? Um, Ash, who do you reckon? I'm going to say Emerson Royale because I think he's had like, I know that he's already sort of begun his renaissance, but I think it's going to like continue at full speed and he's going to be one of the most important players and one of the first names on the team sheet. And he's just like a great guy. And lunatic, so I just want him to do well. <laughs> well, Billy, I'm sure won't disagree with that. But Billy, is, is that your choice? Have you got someone else in mind? Uh, no, because that wouldn't be a surprise to me. I've, I've known that all along. So. <laughs> um, I think mine would be. I'm not going to say Lascelles, so just because I feel like that's everyone's answer. So I'm going to go for. You know, what? I'm going to go for a bit of a weird one. I'm going to go Hoybier because I think, like, um, I think I've been thinking about the last couple of days. I think. I think it's quite likely that he, I think, or it was perceived to be quite likely that he could be sold, but I don't think Atletico are going to pay the money which we want. I think he'll end up staying. And then I actually think, like, these players, they just haven't had a coach for a very long time. And he's one of those players that will always listen to, like, coach's instructions. Um, and he was rested today, which could be an indicator that he'll start against Brentford. In fact, I think he might well start against Brentford. And um, I think, you know, certainly myself included, um, I think maybe he's gotten much bit too much of a hard time than what he maybe deserves. And I think maybe I've been the first, you know, to call him out all the time in group chats and Twitter and things. So I certainly include myself in this, but I think maybe he's more suited to Angeball than I perhaps gave him credit for. And I think maybe with a bit of coaching, he could be a really effective player there because um, he might have just simply been not coached to do what we want him to do. So uh, I'm going to say Hoibia. All right. Good pick. Um, I'm going to say Perisic. I feel like tonight again showed that if you play him as a proper winger, man, he's like, he's still really, really good. And he showed that at the World Cup. And I've said this on this podcast before, but I think, you know, you were asking like a 34-year-old to come into the Premier League for the first time last season and basically play as a left back in a team that didn't want the ball. And he still managed to rack up assist after assist. And I just feel like particularly as we are likely losing quite a lot of leadership from the squad as well, that someone who's been there, done that, is clearly a well-liked player, incredibly professional, has, you know, these ridiculously high fitness standards, etc. I think he could be the sort of extra winger option. Um, you know, him and Solomon could be the sort of sub-wingers that I I think that could work really well. So he's my pick. Um, Tom, yours? Well, uh, this it's not like a weird kind of outsider pick, but I, I mean, I would love cool, my, my guy Kulu to get mm-hmm. back to his best form. Um, and I say, like, part of me is like, you know, like he's one of our starting forwards. He shouldn't, you know, this shouldn't be a surprise star. But then again, you look at his stats from last season and they're like incredibly depressing. It's It still it blows my mind that Poro got as many goals as Richie and Kulu combined, like three, I think, and Kulu got two last season. And um, uh, and what uh, Poro started his first game in like March or something mad. Anyway, um, I think 
yeah, I'd love to see Kulu at his best again. And hopefully mm. he was just feeling those bad vibes of the entire shit show of last season and Conte and like sort of other the other managers that then came in. So yeah, touch wood, he just had a bit of a bad vibe and we're going to see the best from him again. He certainly looked a lot more like himself against Shakhtar, particularly second half. He was trying all the tricks. He looks back to his unplayable, you know, that lovely, weird, awkward skill that he shows where defenders just have no idea how to get the ball off this sort of big gangly nutter. So I'm I'm excited about Kulu. I think it could work really well. Um, Rosa? Yeah, I was going to say Kulu as well, actually, because I think, I mean, my God, we were so bad last year, weren't we? His stats were absolutely terrible. Um, and he looked... He's given that lovely interview where he speaks so glowingly of Ange and the style of football that he wants him to play. So I think he seems really up for it. And he did look really, really good the other day, like I was watching it. And there's sort of a few moments where I was like, oh, I don't know about you, Kulu. Maybe it's not going to happen. And then like the next following, fi- like the following five minutes, he just then looked supreme again so I think him I'm also do you know what I would like to nail my colours to the Pedro Porro mast because I really I just I you know his position is very up in the air it's all a bit chaotic but I really like him I think he's so good he's so much fun he scores just incredible goals um I understand this is going to set me on a collision course with Ash and Billy but I'm sticking for I'm sticking with my guy I think I think something good will happen for him this year I can't believe I designed this question so we could all talk about uh, Giovanni Lo Celso. No one has spoken about Giovanni Lo Celso, but... It's going to have to be you. It's, well, I've already done that. I picked Perisic because I thought someone was oh, going to yeah. pick Lo Celso. I mean, like, we should be excited. I know, Rosie, you still can't stand him, but it, we should be excited about the fact we've just almost sort of gained this, like, really, really, really high-quality credit midfielder, like out of thin air almost like he's just sort of reappeared and we haven't had to like pay any money for him to come back he's just like back and re-engaged and seems so suited to this style of football that even if all he does is just back up Madison I think it's wicked I'm so excited about him I really am and also he does seem to be like you know a bit of a Romero whisperer and if he can get you know Christian to be less sort of chaotic and a bit more you know, sort of switched on that and happier. That could be really good. He's obviously being chummy with the new, the new forwards. Like I think he's yeah. I'm really excited. Ash, you've got your hand up. Please don't burst my bubble. Well, no, I was going to say that I actually think the obvious one that no one spoke about is Basuma. Mm. Like, and I, I was going to, I kind of avoided it because I thought everyone else would pick him, and no one ended up picking him, but. Like we barely saw him last year and I think he was injured for a while and then he didn't play well like at the beginning of the season. And he sort of like now looks like he's like the heartbeat of the team. So I think he's a big one for sure. I thought he was a given personally. So <laughs> just defending myself here. Now, you're obviously right, aren't you? Like he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet, isn't he? Do we think Skippy is going to like bring you crashing back down to earth, Ash? Do we think Skip's going like based on tonight? Do we think he's going to do something? Why would you? Why would you say this? I'm so sorry. Ruining my whole mood. <laughs> he's just scored two goals in the fake Newcomb. Like so I know everyone's but... got their own troubles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he is now. Maybe he's maybe he's a shoe in for the first eleven. I don't know. 
I mean, that's definitely not going to happen. We got. I mean, aside from anything else, we've got to keep him right because otherwise, we just don't have enough homegrown. Yeah, I think he'll be like a decent um, sub option for sure. He seems to have really bought into the Angel things. Like he, I know he's been doing it in preseason, but today in particular, he was he's he's like always in the box now, which you never really saw from him before. Now he's like attacking the box all the time. But I just want to say, um, those who didn't who didn't manage to watch the game today, Bissuma and Lacelso were both incredible. Like they were probably the two best players on the pitch. I would say like. They're running rings around the Barcelona midfielders at all times, and Pesuma in particular is amazing. So, yeah, I definitely agree with those two players. Um, I think we're going to see a completely different midfield from us. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited about these forgotten heroes. Um, right, a slightly scarier question now, I'm afraid. Um, where will Harry Kane be playing football 12 months from now? Tom, you're up first. I don't even think it's in 12 months from now. I think it's two weeks from now. He will be playing uh, in Germany and in 12 months will have won things. And part of me will be kind of pleased for him. Like, you know, whatever. As long as it's not in our league, as long as I don't have to, we don't have to play him um, at White Hart Lane and he's not playing for uh, IE United or God forbid... Chelsea or City, um, yeah, I think I think he'll be in Germany within the next week. To be honest, okay, um, Ash, what do you reckon? The same. I think he's going to leave this week, sadly, and have done for a while. I'm actually surprised it's taken this long, um, and it's going to be very, very, very painful to see him go. Um, yeah, such a weird transfer. Do you buy? Do you think that? You know, Kane's sort of self-imposed deadline for the club, i.e. if I'm not gone uh, before Brentford, then that's it, I'm staying. Do you think the club will go along with that? Or do you, could you see the club saying, well, look, we'll decide if we want to accept this bid for you, regardless of whether or not the Premier League season started? Do you really feel like this weekend is the cutoff? I don't think that's a deadline at all. I think like... Maybe there's something in the rumour about his, his, his wife is pregnant and she won't be able to travel. So maybe there's something in that. But I, yeah, I think the, the way that Kane and the, maybe his brother or whoever is like handled this summer has been like absolutely perfect uh, compared to the Man City summer. And I think like this is all just protecting his like legacy like at Spurs, which I know sounds odd when he's about to potentially leave, but I think this is just like part of the well-orchestrated like PR campaign up to this point. So I don't believe in that. And I think like we've been here before with like Enoch and like Daniel Levy with Berbatov and various other sort of like deadline day deals. So I think it's going to just be another one of those personally. So you think it's going to drag? Possibly, yeah. I think so. Okay. Ugh. Um, Rosa, where do you think Kane's going to be playing in 12 months? Uh, like Heart of Hearts, probably in Germany, I guess. Like, you know that, you know, I don't, I don't want that to happen at all. Um, I just, I don't know. 
Are we allowed nice? We're just, I don't know. We're just not allowed to have everything. Like, I really, like, the game on Sunday really got me because it just felt like the most kind of perfect goodbye of, you know, him scoring four goals and then Scarlett coming on and scoring the last one. And I was like, okay, so, like, this is it. That's that's done now. Like, that's a perfect farewell. It just felt like everything was kind of coming together to make us kind of accept it, I guess, or make me accept it. So, probably, yeah. But it's yeah. been weird, hasn't it? Because the last couple of days, and we're talking on Tuesday night, you know, there was this sort of, you know, mass breakout of celebration almost online when it felt like, you know, Bayern had been vanquished and we'd rejected the offer and they were still like 20, 25 million away and there was no chance they were going to bridge that gap. But it seems like, you know, and we're, like I said, we're talking on Tuesday night and there seems to be sort of talk that Spurs are working towards an agreement rather than, you know, actively disengaging from conversation with Bayern, which would, I suppose, indicate that they're keen perhaps to make a deal. Um, yeah, I worry that we all went too early with the sort of ha-ha Bayern stuff and they might actually come out. No, because you've got to take that moment, those moments while you can because they might not come again, you know? So I feel like that's fine. I don't okay. mind it. And there was also his like very cryptic Instagram post that was like ramping it up. And, you know, I spent far too long being like, what does that mean? Does that, what, <laughs> what does it mean? And you were like, it just means he personally is ramping it up. And I was like, thanks very much for bursting that bubble. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, probably, probably that's that, I think. Um, I just hope if we are going to do it, I really hope it is soon. And I really hope the sort of chat that we are lining up sort of one or two replacements. And that's perhaps what's, you know, taking a bit of extra time for us to get to the point where we're ready to sell is true. Because, um, you know, we'll, we'll need a bit of a, we'll need an almighty boost in the shape of one or two exciting players coming in i'm sure, I'm sure. that i mean why have i said that i'm sure that's true i think it probably i think if i think if he goes there'll be there'll be something else in the pipeline. Yeah, i do I'm feel sure. like there is i do feel like now there is life after kane um i just i don't i don't want to experience it personally mm. um i think that he'll be playing for man united next summer i think he's going to go to germany and i think he's going to hate it so much that Bayern, much like with Mane this summer, will sell him to Man United next summer because that Hoyland bloke that United have signed will score six goals this season and they'll panic and they'll offer Bayern 100 million or something mad for Kane and he'll go there. So we'll have the worst of both worlds. <laughs> that's my that's my cheery uh, cool. concern. Thanks for that. Um, it's all right. No Everyone worries. just stop listening now. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, the thing is, right, if, you know, we're going off one, like, time story that seems to suggest that we are getting closer to an agreement, but they are still miles off. So we might, you know, you might be listening to this on Wednesday and we've, you know, said no and Bayern had backed away and they go and sign Vlajevic or someone. So who knows? Billy, what do you reckon is going to happen? Um, I think it could be England, it could be Germany, but one thing for sure is it will be rent-free in Plettenberg's head still. In a year's time, <laughs> two years' time, three years' time, he will permanently remain there. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's move on to something. Well, is this cheery? I'm not sure. What's the pointless petty hill that you're prepared to die on this season, do you think? This is very much a Rosa-inspired question. Um Rosa, let's go to you first. What's the hill that you think you will die on in various WhatsApp groups, in Twitter arguments, 
in sort of back and forths in pubs up and down N17 what do you think's the sort of ridiculous stance that you will not back down from guys you already know it um it's just a question of whether I go um Lacelso or Romero just that you will contend that they are not good things no I, I think thought I'm you were right. going to go dab for a minute I thought you were going to go dab yeah who, by no. the way, tonight against Barcelona oh, was apparently man of the match. I only saw half an hour, but he looked like a titan out there. Yeah, I didn't see it. I feel, you know, there's some other stuff going on with Dav. I feel slightly, you know, I'm not I'm not quite back to supporting him 100%. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be Lo Celso. I really, like, I genuinely, I don't think it's going to happen for him. I really why, don't. Why not? Why not? Just um, because I just, I don't think he's good enough. And I don't think, I actually don't think he's going to stay fit. I suppose that is the thing. He does get a lot of injuries. Yeah. So I just don't, I don't think he's going to put a consistent enough run together. I think he it is just going to be like a preseason blip and then that'll be it. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the way you frame it as that's the bad thing. <laughs> I mean, you, as you know, personally for me, now look, if he turned out to be good, great. But I don't, I genuinely don't think it's going to happen. Okay. All right. Um, Tom, what's your, What's your very petty Spurs Hill that you think you're going to die on this season? Uh, well, I talked about Kulu. The hill I don't want to have to die on is at the end of this season, be having to back Richarlison, even though he's scored potentially like one or two goals in his second season. Like, you know, I think we all, plenty of Spurs fans had to take some stick about Richarlison from rival fans um, last season. And I just need him to come good and play like he did in that World Cup and play like Brazil's number nine because he is Mm. Brazil's number nine. And I just, you know, if Kane goes, he's going to have every fucking chance to become the guy. Uh, If not, I don't know. But, you know, we we forgave him a lot last season. He had injuries. He had a World Cup. Uh, he had 7,000 offside goals, um, <laughs> some of which weren't really offside and VAR fucked us and whatever. Um, and he had many managers who perhaps didn't treat him right. So we all made excuses for him. But yeah, I don't want to be dying on the Richarlison Hill come the end of this season, if that makes sense. Particularly if he is our undisputed number one striker. That would be a bad, bad thing to have happened for you um all right ash yours probably that like levy is always going to be the problem and i i hope i don't have to get into my sort of like enoch out bag throughout the season because it would mean that like <laughs> they've failed like Ange and like left him short in the window and that's like my biggest worry in the next like i don't know when the transfer window closes it's probably in like a month knowing england but like in the next few weeks I'm just like really keen that um, if Kane does go, that he is like replaced properly and not by, I don't know, some random kid. Cause there's a big, I love Richarlison, but there, like Tom says, there's a huge, huge question mark over him because you're going to have to replace like, well, no one's going to replace 30 goals, but Mm. 20 goals. I don't think Richarlison's ever got 20 goals in a Premier League season. So, yeah, I'm very, like, I just don't want to be negative about the ownership when we're sort of, like, in this new uh, good vibes 
uh, era. So, yeah. Okay. All right. That's a solid answer. Billy, yours? Uh, mine is that Paratici is actually really good at his job and he has bought us a lot of players that are going to, um, this season, um, really prove that he knew what he was doing the whole time. And um, we're going to see the fruit of a lot of his possibly illegal activity this season. Very good. Very good. Um, mine, I think, is that Eric Dyer is absolutely worth keeping around for various reasons. And I think he's going to have a little moment this season that really shuts up a lot of people. Because uh, I I just, I love him so much. And I just, I can't, I just, it like really, really, really upsets me when people are like so mean to him. I just, I know it sounds pathetic and that I'm being really like a sort of, <laughs> big whiny baby that I'm defending multi-millionaire Eric Dyer. Um, but I think that, like I was saying, there's going to be such a vacuum of leadership in this squad, I think, that I'm really, really concerned about. And I think he's he's clearly such a good dude. And I think he's going to have a moment this season where he steps up and proves himself. Um, it I might be so. an early round of the Carabao Cup. Who knows? <laughs> I hope I so. Wish- but- I wish I'd just screen grabbed Ash's face when Charlie uh, just said that for listeners because Ash's face was incredible when he just mentioned Dyer. But I, I don't like rate Dyer as a as a footballer, but I, I do really rate him as like a human being. And I, and I think like we need to just like actually back the players. Like something that like the worst part of last season was like the abuse of like certain players and like yeah. it has to just like end. So, yeah, I'm not a Dyer fan, but I would never go into the ground and, like, I don't know, abuse him or, like, boo him in any way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if he does have a renaissance, like, I'll be happy for him. I don't see it, but it will be great. And I think that ties into a sort of grander hill, right, in that I just, I think this podcast has always been very, um, very vociferous in not wanting to ever get on players' backs in that way where you're going into a stadium and you're booing people that are wearing a Spurs shirt. So I think my my hill will forever be that I will not be that guy that is is booing players that are trying, you know, their best to to do positive things in a Tottenham shirt. I think that's just yeah. not us. The abuse Emerson got last season is still makes me feel quite yeah. ill. Um like and seeing, Dav, man, just thinking and, uh, about yeah. Guys, like that can't happen this season. Come on. God yeah. damn it, I'm back on my Dav Hill. <laughs> <laughs> it took six all, minutes. It was all leading to this. Um, yeah, all right. there you go. Okay, those are some good hills. I enjoyed those hills. Um I want to know this, let's move off uh let's move off the actual team. Which um which pub are you excited to drink in again, guys? The season's you know, the season's here. We're going to be back in Tottenham, going to be all together again. We're going to be meeting up before watching Spurs win 5-3 every week. Which which pubs are you excited to, for us all to meet up in? Tom, you first. Uh, I'm a regular in the Beehive. I would love someone to save me a table for a pizza in True Craft each week because it's mm-hmm. fucking impossible to get a table unless you're there like, five hours before kickoff or something and the pizza in there is very good and the beer is very good but on the flip side of that I, I love a craft beery pint but I also heard an awful rumour that the Victoria which is the kind of ultimate um, 
old man Irish pub, the landlord. If you've ever been in there, the landlord's this incredible ancient Irish guy. I can't believe he's still he's still going. He's been there for like decades. Um, I heard an awful rumour that the Victoria is now a hipster pub. The Brewdog Bros have got to it. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm concerned about that. Yeah, that that's going to be my pick just because it is actually like this bizarrely like really nice hangout now with this like beautiful conservatory vibe. Does um, it do food? Because um, you know, I'm doing a 180 in literally like two seconds. No, no, no. Because <laughs> usually you could only get potatoes in there and potentially yeah. twiglets and those weird scampy things. They have uh, some kind of connection with yard sale pizza. I'm just saying. Oh, of course they do. That's because yard yard, yard sale set up in there. Tottenham. Yeah, that's <laughs> the most brew dog like craft beer yeah. fucking. I see you. I see you in the back near the smoking area. <laughs> I'm still listen. I love craft ales, but I'm still getting a Guinness in there. Okay, just for that old Irish landlord. <laughs> Is it literally a brew dog pub? Because they're quite bad. No, 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 no. There's no brew dog in Tottenham. No. Fine, fine. I presume no. we're, the, we're Beaver Dodgery. Town all the way, aren't we? We're Beaver Town all the way. Yeah, I presume the doddery old Irish stuff. Honestly, it's like this really ancient Irish landlord, and then these Irish matriarchs behind the bar who are like lovely, feel like you just want to cuddle from them. I presume they're now replaced by guys with like ridiculous beards. Oh, uh, can I take you on a really quick diversion about that? Actually, just based off something you mentioned in our group earlier, that you've been listening to um, Rooty again. Um, such a, so many many years ago, album. I used to go to those Rooty Brixton nights um, on the uh, the Telegraph on Brixton Hill, and it used to just have like at the it was just like a proper old pub that just happened to have like a dance floor out the back, and you would go in, and there would just be like all of these old dudes drinking beer and playing pool. And like that was the night. And then at some point it got a refurb and then all of the, like, the old guys didn't have anywhere to go. And it was really, really tragic. And like, not coincidentally, the nights were much worse after that. Keep so the hopefully old, the same keep thing the old fellas around. To, yeah, exactly. You need it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Rosa, where are you looking forward to drinking? Let's stick with you. Yeah, I want to go to a hipster pub and eat pizza, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I just said that, I'm older now. Just want to okay. sit down and have some food with my drink. Okay, true craft for Rosa then. Um, Billy, yours? Um, I'm going to go somewhere slightly different. I'm going to say what used to be an Ikea in Tottenham Hale, which is now turning into a massive rave venue, warehouse, um, drum sheds, and some of the lineups for the for the opening season are amazing. So I think what could be better than going to there after a Tottenham win? Um, hopefully that will like, marry up one weekend where we just have a massive win and then everyone just goes to Ikea. That'd be brilliant. See some DJs. Um, as a former resident of Tottenham, losing that IKEA, I know, hit the community very, very hard. But I think if they were going to replace it with anything, sort of London's potentially new best raving joint is the only way to do it. So well done, everyone involved there. 15,000 capacity or something like that. I know like Skeptics there in December, DJ, and so yeah, that Oof. could be one to keep in touch for. Um, I'm going to pick the blue coats just because I love the blue coats and they're our guys. They love us as well. And I always bump into people that I like in there. It's like, it's never as hard to get a drink as you think it's going to be in there as well. I always feel like they're one of the rare pubs that like employ enough people. So that there's like multiple people to serve you at any one point. Um, and you can always go upstairs and you get served quicker, but we didn't tell you that. Um, so yeah. 
love the love the blue coats. I'm excited to be back there. Um, it's excited to be back in Tottenham. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun for that United game. Um, speaking of the match day experience, the final question I have for you guys: If you could improve one thing about going to a game at the stadium, what would you what would you choose, Ash? What would you choose? Oh, such a. Uh, I'd want my season ticket pass to work and to not queue up at the ticket office before every game. I was going to ask you about this. Please tell me that this has been. I, I don't solved. know. It, it's it's potentially works now. I don't. Know. I'm going to find out against Man United. That's what I would change. Okay, Billy. Um, I'm going to say a bit more buy-in from the club. I think they're kind of half heartedly trying to do these things to sort of improve the atmosphere um just a little bit more make it a little bit easier for the people that are trying to do things like thfc flags um return of the shelf and various other sort of sports groups um just really go go fully back them make it easy for them to do these things uh, i'm not necessarily saying you know put money into it because i know that a big part of thfc flags was they want to just be fan funded but just make things easy for these things to go and mm. i really feel those things i know that you know they're trying in the drum and stuff like that but that's really really make it a priority because i think it will make a massive difference to our our playing squad as well um billy you've talked me into um taking a day off work to help with the flag people ahead of man united haven't you what, yeah, what are we doing again remind me i think they're going on the next week actually um just before the man united game to put up the Ange tifo which is going to be really exciting um yeah can't wait for that man um, um i was slightly perturbed when i saw them tweet and say that it's like a 10 a.m to 5 p.m gig can't it can't take that long to put out some bin bags, can it? Exactly, man. But that's what I mean. Maybe the club will give us some like drones or something to make it easier in the future. Because yeah, will we get be like a, a will we get a sandwich and a drink? Like that's a whole day's work. Probably have to pay like ten pounds seventy five for a bagel. But yeah, that's as good as ba- bagels are back. Bagels are back. That was <laughs> a, <laughs> that was the big win last week, wasn't it? The return of eight pounds seventy five salt beef bagels. Um, really good though doesn't it and does it really I did yeah I was I was trying to look for one on Sunday I went to the Shakhtar game with my daughter but she only wanted um chicken my 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 thing was going to be like whilst I've just praised the blue coats for being relatively quick to get a drink I had we had to wait nearly half an hour to get a chicken burger from the chicken shop place just around the corner from the south stand and like and it, it was obviously like a very busy sort of family occasion. And I think that was maybe taking longer and perhaps there were new staff or whatever, but like it just, unless you go to the goal line bar and you sort of get lucky and where you stand, just any other place in that stadium just takes such a long time to get things. And I feel like they have to like develop some sort of, I don't know, like express lane if you're only getting a pint or something just to make it a bit easier and a bit quicker. Not that I'm like, let's give the club more money and spend more money in the stadium because that's obviously very much against the general vibe at the minute. But Christ, they make things difficult, don't they? I was going to mention the bars as well because you're right, the blue coats, it's never as hard to get a beer as as you think because they have so many staff in there. So uh, it's... uh, it's Lots of blokes with good beards, as you like to... Yeah, it's very hipster, but and the beers are very nice. They they always have uh, good breweries on. Um, but yeah, the bars in the stadium, and I never eat in the stadium. I you know I do try, I do generally eat in Tottenham, and it's nice to support my, the garden. My favourite Turkish place is also very good. 
But yeah, the bars in the stadium are an absolute shambles. Like you said, Charlie, you're occasionally lucky and standing in the right place at the goal line bar, but often it's absolutely shambolic. The staff have no idea what they're doing. Neck oil isn't working. You have to make do with Amstel or a can of Guinness for £6.50. So yeah, need more training. The other thing I was going to say about match day experience is I think Billy might know, but the return of the shelf guys, I think, are going to be in the block next to me, also uh, with a drum. And I'm I'm going to I'm not going to pass judgment on the drum until I've seen it in action. But I am excited to have some rowdy fans, hopefully, in the block next to me, and and you know, hopefully, that will kind of catch around that bit of the self stand that I sit in. I feel like within a few months, your mate Linton might become the new drummer or something, or he's going to like. Get an he's instrument so and join in. I can imagine Linton's bang up for the drum, is he? Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's he was buzzing when he heard the drum was going to be in the block next to us. Just to, because um, I think we're almost done with our season preview. At the start, I shamed myself by being like, I haven't watched any pre-season action. Um, I forgot to mention that I was on holiday in Greece uh, and partly I was in Rhodes, which was on fire. Anyway, I was with Linton who... <laughs> You can edit that bit into the front, Tom, to justify not watching. No, no. You were on a, a, fire, a fire island. It was okay. I was on the fire island. Then I went to Simi, which is a really small island you have to get a boat to. And then we went to a, like a beach that you had to get a boat to. You can't drive to this beach. And me and Linton, who's my season to get older mate, I sit next to, we're queuing to get this boat back off, off the beach with our families and, and seven-year-olds. And some Greek girls kind of push in front of us when the boat arrives and the wives and kids get on this boat. And it's the only way off of this beach. And me and Linton look aghast. And this kind of Aussie, this Aussie guy pipes up and says, you know, guys, they don't they don't queue in in Greece. You know, I'm I'm Aussie Greek. Um, But, you know, in Australia, we queue, mate. But um, in in Greece, they just they they don't queue, mate. Um, so he says that, and me and Linton chat to him a little bit, and I say, "Oh, we're we're actually really into Aussie Greeks at the moment because we've got our new manager Ange." And this guy is like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know Ange." We're like, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother's like works with Ange. My brother's really good mates with Ange, mate." Um, and the guy even fucking looks like Ange. He's like the same kind of age as him, bald Greek Australian. You know, it's a look. Um, and then he shows us pictures of his brother at the Women's World Cup with the Matildas. I didn't know the Aussie women's team were called the Matildas. His brother's pictured with the Prime Minister of Australia in like the box. And he's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, he, he does like Angie's deals. I think he did the Tottenham deal. We're like, what the fuck? Like secluded beach, middle of nowhere on a, uh, on a fucking island that's in the middle of nowhere in Greece. And then just as we're trying to ask him more questions, he was a really nice guy. Uh, his boat turns up and he's like, see you later, lads, have a, have a good holiday. And he was fucking mates with Ange. He's like, oh, he's been over to my house for a barbie. Like, he comes over for dinner. Like, what? Anyway, so we briefly met someone called, who knows Ange very well. So, you know, Do you think it was that, there. was it like, was it his agent? Because his agent's mm-hmm. that Frank Trimboli guy. Do you reckon it was his brother? honestly potentially but that it was quite it was fleeting and this guy genuinely was like i don't have any interest in football but he's been to my house so like i i he was an aussie rules fan but his brother 
his brother was pictured with the Prime Minister of Australia who showed us the photo. So fucking hell. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. It might be that guy's brother. But yeah, he's Aussie. I thought you were going to... um, Of all the people. I thought you were going to tell the story that you and Linton um, were asked for a photo because you had had your spare shirts on. On that same secluded beach, someone asked us for a photo and he was a fan of... What I found out, the Greeks really love their football, don't they? Um, uh, And he was a fan of PAO... Kay, who we've played, haven't we? In the, uh, he, I think he's he'd been to our stadium to see us. So yeah, me and Linton were both in our Spurs shirts on the beach because we had moral support. And usually our wives are like, you can't wear a fucking football shirt on holiday. And yeah, this random Greek guy was like, come in, let's get a picture. It was amazing. Basically, celebs on Simi in Greece now. What a holiday! What ups what and downs you've experienced. <laughs> My favorite thing about the whole story was we're really we're really into Aussie Greeks right now. <laughs> True. I mean, if ever there true. was a time to be, this is very much it. Um, so he, in a very Aussie way, he was just so casual. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know. He's been to my, he's been to my house for for a barbecue." I'm like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? We're on a beach. Absolutely in incredible. Um, oh, Rosa, you need to answer before I. I um, I feel like Tom's going to have a I few more of these stories. Yeah, but sorry, I give us your. It. I just yeah. I mean, because you guys know that like I've basically been priced out of the season ticket experience which is a real bummer so my main thing to like improve my match day going experience is to go but I also would like on a more serious note I'd like to see just in general like a lot more love for and promotion of the women's team I think they should really really push it mm-hmm. this season and I think a good start would be if the stadium announcer could get the name of the team right <laughs> Because the last time they announced it, they called them Spurs Ladies, which um, made me really cross for a really, really long time. Um, I just think, yeah, just have like the women's names on the shirts in the shop and like promote the next games, like all of it. It's really easy to do and you have a captive audience, so do it. Amen to that. And hopefully the women's team are also a lot more fun to watch this season as well, because it sounds like our new coach is... um similarly sort of uh Ange ball adjacent so that would be quite fun um speaking of women's football the world cup we squeaked through to the knockouts one well, we're in the knockouts into the quarters um with one of the worst performances i think i've seen from any england team male or female in a knockout round i thought we were dreadful like really really bad. really bad it was pretty I know bad. nigeria were very good and they completely had our number i thought mm-hmm. tactically and they look superior in terms of, you know, uh, fitness and athleticism and skill, but I'm no longer that convinced we're actually going to win this thing. Rosa, are we going to win this thing? Yeah, I'm not. I think because um, sadly the Jamaicans went out today, so we've lost uh, Drew and Becky. So yeah. And Roz, because Morocco and went Roz, out as well. Yeah. So yeah. But I'm not boys sure contingent she, are tumbling. Not, sure she got, not entirely sure she got on the pitch. Um, but like Becky and Drew obviously um, played all like every single minute of all Jamaica's games. So it was very sad, but also Colombia look pretty good. And I think they are going to give, like based on the most recent evidence, they're going to give England a really tough time. I think what I do worry about now is not that the talent's not there, but I think you can see that like Serena just doesn't make changes, man. She's just like, I'm really, I feel really defensive about Lauren James and her sort of moment of madness, whatever, because she was obviously struggling for the whole game. She was basically being marked out of it and you could see the frustration. And Mm -hmm. like, we're getting up to 85 minutes 
and Serena hadn't made a single change and you have, a, you know, you've, she had like Harry Kelly on the bench, Ella Toon on the bench, like Bethany England on the bench. And she just, there's no need to leave your players out there. Like that, that team, that 11 was not going to win that game. I'm like, I don't know. You know, when you're just watching a game and you're like, are we, am I not watching the same game as the coach? Mm-hmm. So that it's not that England don't have the talent. Um, and especially, I mean, there's the other thing is as well, like Kira Walsh, like came back from injury, but she played that whole game and it was like, and obviously it went to extra time. And so now from coming back, like who knows what sort of state she's going to yeah. be in for the next stage. So it feels quite badly mismanaged again. Um, so, and I think, you know, like Japan look incredible. France look pretty terrifying. Mm. So it's not um, that, and that is if we get past Colombia, really. So it's not that the talent is not there, and that is a team that can also just fight. Or that, like, it's, it's it is different to you know, unfortunately, it is different to the England men's team who these things happen to them and they get knocked out. <laughs> so whereas England women's team do actually know how to win, yeah. So that is different, and they do have a different mentality, I think. But I just think, you know, all of this chat about like Lauren James needing to take responsibility and grow and learn. I'm like, I also would like to see some responsibility taken from management. So, you know, I mean, I also do have a personal vendetta against Serena Wiegmann. So for never play, for first never giving Ash Neville a chance and then not really playing Bethany England, who I think really should play a lot. I mean, I think she's got, she's made a case for starting really because Russo was. I agree. Cool. Yeah. Russo looks really off it. And also, I don't think we win that shootout without Bethany because no. she set the her tone. Her penalty she... was brilliant, wasn't exactly. it? it? But was also so she good. took the second one she after Samway yeah. missed her. Yeah, so. and, and after they'd missed one as well. So, yeah. so the that... pressure's on and she's your girl in that situation where nothing else is happening. She can do it. So um, I want to take us just a very brief second because Chloe Kelly's penalty was the most insane thing that I think I've ever seen. That's what like... she does. That's her penalty, though. She but does just it every like, time, that weird little jump. Run, but like just, I, I read afterwards that like that was the, her, man. that was the, because they've got a little tracker inside each ball so they can see how hard the each, you know, kick of the ball is. That was the hardest registered shot in the entire tournament. And that's the decisive penalty. that weird little skippy run up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maddest little jump. Yeah. Like crazy. She also takes the winning penalties that like she took it um, at the Euros and like also in like the finalissima against Brazil, like earlier this year. I just, and she came back from an ACL injury in like April, 2022, like mad. Like I do have to, obviously we'll give her a lot of credit as well. Just, just <laughs> She's pretty good. The maddest thing. I just watched it on a loop. And also she was amazing in that she like went straight over to keep her, like yeah. told the camera people to piss off. I thought that was great. So um, she's she's wicked. Right. Okay. We've been talking for ages. Um, if you're still listening, you've probably had like lunch or like you've gone off and had a little mini break. So thank you for sticking with us. We're going to do culture really quickly. Um, let's just do rapid fire culture, guys. I just want your picks, a mini explanation, and then we'll bounce. Um, Billy, your pick, please. How many times? I mean, you're in the summer holidays, mate. You must be in the cinema like three times a day right now. Yeah, and my pick is a film that I saw today in the cinema, which I'm looking forward to hearing your particular opinion on, and more importantly, your daughter's opinion on, um, because my pick is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was amazing. And I couldn't be happier with how good it was because it was just like 
Um, it's like a post Spider-Verse type animation, which was just fantastic in every single way. And it's got an absolutely killer soundtrack. Um, so yeah, looking forward to you. I think you're seeing that at the weekend, right? We are. And I'm so excited that you've said that. I mean, the weekend was huge for us. It, the Turtles were there at the stadium. Delphine was wearing a Turtles outfit with her Spurs get over the top. She managed to somehow incorporate the shell into the outfit. People thought she was part of the things and she was getting really aggy about it. She was like, can you tell them I'm not part of this, Daddy? I just love the turtles. It's really annoying. Like, tell the people to go away. Um, so she had the best time, but also was getting a bit agitated by tourists. So back off, guys. She's four and a half. Just stop it. Um, thrilled to hear the movie's great, though. We're seeing it on the weekend. Um, Ash, your pick, please. Uh, there's a new over-mono track with Drew Orbison and Quang Face called Freedom 2, and it's just a banger. That's I it. only listened to it today. I literally listened to it on the way home from work and I was like, why the fuck haven't I heard it already? The 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 vocal on it is so good. It's like, um, it reminded me of like, the collabs Novelist has done um, before with like Ray yes. V people. Exactly. Um, really good. Yeah. So good, that track. Um, I, I haven't heard it, shamefully. I feel like, why is that not being promoted more? I just... I don't know. Like I think people... it's only been out like, like maybe Friday. Yeah. No, I'm not yeah, doing the job on enough. I should know about that. Um, good. I'm going to go listen to that literally in minutes. Um, Rosa, your pick, please. Um, I went to see a strange loop at the Barbican the other night. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's it's I like I didn't like a hundred percent love it, but it has um an unbelievably talented lead actor. So. I would strongly recommend seeing it just for that, basically. So, and also some like, you know, some very like very serious, hard hitting stuff and some great tunes. It's like definitely, definitely worth it. And also just anything at the bar, just going to the Barbican is always fun. And well, going to the Barbican, saw... A, if you can get there and B, find your way around, like they don't make it easy, man. It's amazing. I feel like the people that work there are make it even harder as well. Like they just look at you like you're an idiot if you ask for directions, yeah. in my experience then. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not a directions asker. <laughs> I just rather wander around looking lost for ages and get cross. <laughs> such a Spurs fan approach to directions. Um, Pretty much. Tom, your pick, please. Uh, I read two incredibly depressing books on holiday, uh, The Underground Railroad, which I finally got round to, Colson Whitehead, just like incredible. He's so good. And uh, Rosa recommended a Claire Keegan book, which, you know, long time listeners will know we don't like long things on this podcast. So a hundred and... <laughs> which is ironic considering the length of these podcasts. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But it was 107 pages or something really nice uh, book. Um and yeah, anyway, on the Aussie thing, the Aussie Traitors, which is on iPlayer, BBC iPlayer, is honestly so good. There's a couple of amazing villains in it. It's the the Traitors series that I've laughed at the most. So if you want to support Ange and, you know, uh, my Greek friend in uh, in Sydney, <laughs> Greek Aussie friend, uh, yeah, Aussie Traitors is so good. Good stuff. All right. Um, oh, me. I, I'm i reading Graham Coxon's autobiography at the moment, Verse Chorus Monster, sort of continuing my um, sort of reverting back to my teen obsession with Blur, having seen them at Wembley um, a few weeks ago. And uh, we've had we'd had it at home for ages because Emily interviewed him last year about the book and um, I never got around to it. But it's, it's so good. It's like 
really sort of sad and poignant and he speaks about the relationship with Damon in a way that um, it's actually really tender and heartwarming and their closeness and bond is something that he writes about with real love and I just love reading anything about those two so I, um, I've got even more things to say to him when I bump into him in the woods across the road from my house where he apparently walks four times a week and I am now in no way planning my uh, strolls to and from work around. Um, so apologies, Graham, if it feels like I'm stalking you. Um, awesome. All right. That was potentially the longest ever episode of Hometown Glory ever. Um, no, Tom's shaking his head. It definitely isn't. Um, we've done much longer, I think. However, it was definitely one of the most enjoyable ones. And we didn't sell Harry Kane in the time we were recording. We'll probably sell him tomorrow, meaning most of this is completely redundant. However, we hope you enjoyed our preview. We hope we all enjoy this mad season that we've got upcoming. We're thrilled to be back properly with you all. Um, if you see us all in the blue coat, say hi. We're Hometown Glory. Billy, see us home. Up the Spurs. <laughs>